0: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delaglio and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. After a very entertaining opening weekend of the Six Nations, we'll be chatting about the highlights from those games, as well as looking ahead to what's to come in round two. And with me in the studio is the Evening Standard Steve Cording. Hi, Steve. Hello, Lawrence. How are you? Very well indeed. Good, Fresh good. back from Rome. And after a great comeback from Wales at the Principality Stadium on Saturday, which nearly Resulted in them claiming victory. It only seemed right and fitting to get a Welsh rugby legend on the podcast. It's Jonathan Davis, Jiffy. How are you? Cheers,
1: lads. Yeah, not the uh, not the greatness comeback as we didn't win, but it uh, was certainly <laughs> exciting.
0: Well, listen. Before we talk about that match, unfortunately, we have to start with the sad news of passing of Barry John over the weekend. It sort of came out the blue, really. And it's very sad.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was driving into the cod scrum five last night, and um, it just uh, broke the. It sadly passed away. So, um, and as you can imagine, with the accolades that JPR had uh, in the previous week, um, you know it was exactly the same. You know the nation loved him. I think he was such a great player, and, and he had style and grace about him, and poise, and um, you know you, the, the way he he played the game. He just enjoyed it, didn't worry about anything. And of course, seventy one Grand Slam with Wales and then you know that amazing seventy one tour with the with the Lions. So. Um, you know people regard him as maybe the greatest so you know he's and if you get the New Zealand press which you know what they're like Lord if they're kind of you know christening him the king yeah. well it's, <laughs> it says it says all it says it all, really it says it yeah. all
0: where was um where, where was home for for Barry John in in, in Wales suggest? uh
1: when well, he was born funny enough I said have a beer with him um doing in the in the pub because you know, he's from Kevin I thinness and I lived there for a while. So it's a bump into him when he came down to see his brothers and, um, uh, but he, the most of his life, he lived in Cardiff. So, um, you know, and you could, you'd always see him in Cardiff. So, uh, and he would, if you sat with him for a while. You know, even though he'd been out of the game, he just had some you know brilliant stories and real good insight into the game. And when I sat with him, even when I was playing, you know he'd um, he would just give me some advice. I didn't ask for it; he gave it to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, I mean, obviously, he, he retired at a young age of twenty-seven. What, what would you say was his greatest memory or the legacy that he left? What What was his greatest sort of contribution to Welsh rugby? Because there's there's been a few. He played with some great players, but he was uh, you know right up there as one of the best.
1: I think the way he played the game was, um, you know, his legacy. Um, the way, you know, if you see him just dropping goals for fun and then just when he plays kicks, just dug his heel to the ground, turn round, and then just kicked it, no messing about. He just had a gift that he had time on the ball all the time. So I think that it has to be, you know, the, the 71 lion really that, um, you know, that, that was his greatest legacy. In, and it's still, you know, still the only Lions side that has, that has won in, in New Zealand. So... Yeah, to be Nick the King on that tour with you know you had the likes of Gibson, JPR, Gareth Edwards, all those greats playing. You know it's um,
0: you know it's it's Well, listen, our very sad news and our thoughts go out to to all his close family and friends and and to everyone in Wales because uh, you know and anyone who was um, you know lucky enough to watch him play because he's, he's a, a true legend. Jiffy, moving on, I think we may as well start that game in Cardiff on Saturday afternoon. I was fortunate enough to be listening to Jiffy on on the BBC,
2: and 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 it felt like a roller coaster uh, listening to you Jiff, commentating. Jiff, do you
0: know what? Um, I, I've, I've get it, got to give it to you. I, you know, I I thought the last ten minutes or so, you were, you were coaching the team, my friend, <laughs> uh, and your your passion uh, for trying to get them over the line was uh, was fantastic. Really, you, but... know,
1: you know, what it's like Lolly. You, know, you know, we've done it a long time, the, the both of us now, and uh, you're supposed to try and stay impartial, but you know, everyone knows. You know where you're from, who you support. And it's very difficult when the emotion gets involved. And um, it was just one of those games where we were so poor in the first half. You know, even Gatlin said worst performance in his coaching career, which says a lot. But I just felt that they didn't know their identity. I saw them before the game in the anthem and they were all very young and they were all nervous. And As if they, they had the shackles on in the first half and they couldn't cope physically with the Scottish boys. And in the second half, they had to throw it about. And I don't think there was a game plan, because I want to see Rob Howley in the week, and he said, oh, we want to loosen it up a bit, we want to play, keep the ball in play. But they were losing the aerial battle, they were kicking far too early, so they weren't putting pressure on the Scottish back three, and they just diffused any high kicks, you know. So And Finn Russell had an amazing first half, yeah, because he had the easiest ride in the world. In the second half, he started to chuck a ball about, play a little bit wider, you and Lloyd came on, and we started asking questions of them. And I, I tell you, what I was really surprised with Scott. I thought Scotland might have hardened up a little bit yep. uh, in the World Cup with the group they were in, but I still felt there was a little bit of a soft underbelly in the second half, and they couldn't respond and step up. And in a way, where they got to. They should have won because, you know, momentum in sport is massive. Scotland had it all their own way in the first half, scored 27 points. Wales had it all in the second half, apart from the last 10 minutes. And what happened? They missed one crucial lineup when they were on a roll, got into a position. They only had a drop goal or kick a penalty. But then again, they got it back and then they had a forward pass as well. So Mm. looking at it, if they were a little bit more experienced, You know, they might have got away with one of the greatest comebacks of all time. And I don't know why they would have left Scotland.
0: Do you think that with um, Dapheth uh, Jenkins, who's who's the second youngest Wales captain in history, behind Gareth Edwards, I mean, obviously they've got a young team, a lot of experience has, has walked out the door. Do you think the Welsh public have just got to be quite patient this season because it is a rebuild and they've shown glimpses of what they're capable of, but it, it's just not going to happen overnight, is it?
1: We are where we are. Lord. That's the difference, you know, I think. You look at the, the regions, you know, they're kind of not getting great results in the URC. A lot of players have retired. A lot of players have, you know, taken you know the money abroad. So we are where we are and Welsh rugby is where it is. And I think that, you know, that's what Gatlin's done. Warren's gone, right, he's there for the future. We need to build a side around this kid. And that's, if you look at, they're all very young. They're all, you know, maybe pushed into it a little bit earlier than... Than expected, and that's where we are. And you're right; we have to be patient. You know, it'll be interesting to see in Twickenham how they cope because we can't the teams anymore. So the Warren ball is gone. You know, we haven't got the Jamie Roberts, Shanklin, Johnny Fox, Davis, and the ball carriers that we had. So now we have to kind of look at and try and find a new identity for this for this young side.
2: Well, looking ahead to uh, Saturday, you might actually like this, Jiffy, because uh, we are working with uh, QBE Business Insurance, and they've created. Their own predictor, which uh, simulates the (laughs) tournament 10,000 times, producing the outcome from 150,000 games. And every match is replicated by generating a number of tries, conversions, penalties scored by each team. Uh, It's actually done by their actuaries at QBE. And the score that they are predicting for Saturday is, lol, you might want to put your hands over your ears now, England 22, Wales 24. So is that a possibility? Do you think that could happen? I mean, England obviously in rebuilding phase as well. They played well on Saturday. I think we'll agree with that, but there's a lot to improve on.
1: I think we take any positives at the moment, you know, to just uh, <laughs> give them a bit of co- to give them a bit of confidence. That's what I feel. So, uh, but it, I'm not a huge stat man, to be honest. The only stat that really bothers me is the scholar And um, <laughs> you know, we've been doing this for so long. It's you know, people who kick most internationals usually win. But I think that for me now, it's it's not the possession you have; it's what you do with it, and that's key for me. You know, when you have possession, when you have momentum, you have to get the, the scoreboard ticking over. So it's going to be really interesting because I think England in Twickenham, the all the pressures on them, and uh, they're expected to win. If we just cope with the, you know, the forward power and um, the front row, and we get up six right, then we have parity in the set piece. Then with Tommy Raffel and, and Wainwright, I think there'll be opportunities there. But it'll be very, very interesting. I think this now for Warren and the team is right. How are we going to play? Because although we lost to Scotland, it was a huge game. We played well in the second half. It doesn't get any easier for us because we are England away, Ireland away, France home and then Italy. So, if you look at it realistically, that maybe those three games, we'll be going in as clear underdogs and we might not get a result. And then all of a sudden, the pressure is to avoid the wooden spoon. So, you know, that's why the tournament is the best annual tournament in the world. It just keeps on giving with surprises and performances and brings up superstars. So, you know, we are going in as underdogs and it's a a real test of the coaching staff's tactical ability now to see right. They look at Italy and Italy you know, cut England on the wide channels. So, but as you know, Lawrence, you have to go forward. And we didn't get any gain line in the first half. And if that happens at Twickenham, it's going to be a long day. If we get gain line, good gain line, then I think, you know,
0: it'd be a great game. Jeff, who, who are the sort of two or three players that are key in the Welsh team to them going well at Twickenham this weekend?
1: I think the outer half would be crucial this time because I'm not sure where um, Sam Costello is. He's a bang on the head, so I'm not sure if he's fit or not, and whether they then play Owen Lloyd. I'm sure, he's got a little bit of pace and a little bit of trickery. I think again, Wayne taking over from Falatau has got to be crucial. But we do need ball carriers, and even you know George North hopefully will come back. Him and Tom Kidd will have to get over the game line. Uh, the young full-back then, I think, because we didn't engage the, the wingers enough pre-kick, so I think he'll have to come in and, and help to stand off by shifting a little bit wider to get more space behind. But I think ultimately, you know, Daddy Jenkins is uh, was, was, he's a good player. Teddy Williams is a good player. But it's the front five have got to really, really step up. But it, it's, it's a tough place to come.
2: How many times did you win at Twickenham in your career?
1: Uh, I won once. So, uh, I, I, lo- I lost, lost, isn't Lost, but yeah, but like you know, i have three, I think I'm a 4-2 against England. I, I enjoy them. it was a good place to go. Yeah,
0: so Listen, won he won at that. Wembley, so who cares? <laughs> All right, I
1: know I won there then, I won there then. I always, I, I, I think I would tell you about that. I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> maybe, I'm a bit older than you.
0: <laughs> no, 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 so, no, no so, I, meant, uh, I meant rugby league. Oh. I was,
1: I was, yeah, no, yeah, I've um.
0: Jiffy bailed Sean Edwards out of, uh, <laughs> out of his biggest I hole he's right. ever had in his okay. playing career when he got sent off captain in Great Britain in the first couple of minutes. And he, he walked all the way back to the dressing room and he sat there miserable as hell. And Jiffy produced a moment of magic and scored the winning try. And uh, the press the next day said, Sean Edwards, the captain of Great Britain, set the tone early on in the game. <laughs> and, and the team followed i tell you what his career would have been over without so you I do remember you, that
2: try it was trying the corner I mean, you had fantastic shoulder pads on then didn't you as well I remember back in I those rugby those, league days yeah
1: Dallas yeah. was on telly in them so
2: I just you <laughs> know <the time. laughs> <laughs> so no, let, let's have a look at England then obviously you were uh, in Rome uh, on Saturday and it looked like a fantastic day there beautiful setting overall what, how would you sum up England probably a C plus maybe
0: oh, listen well first of all what an occasion I mean I was commentating in a t-shirt in February which was uh, quite wonderful with uh, with Ben Klayber. I wasn't. <laughs> Listen, it, it was a win for England. Um, England haven't won the opening game of the Championship for a few years. Look, I was, I've been trying to be very positive about the performance. The new players, five new caps in total, I think, either starting or off the bench. I thought Tommy Freeman was probably the outstanding back on the field. And Ethan Roots, you know, who's come from nowhere, really, the Exeter Chiefs flanker, Kiwi-born, was England's best forward. So there were positives, but I think losing at half time and then coming out in that second half, and really, apart from the last try that Italy scored, they completely dominated that second half, but weren't able to, as as Jiffy said, it's all about the number of scoring opportunities that you create and then converting them. And England didn't really get enough scoreboard pressure for all that dominance. Mm. Um, And they'll be, you know, if they're honest, and I think they will be, they were unconvincing, I think, would be the best way to describe it. So, lots of positives. I was going
2: to say, that, that blitz defence in the first half, I was just I was watching my hands over my eyes. Well, well, I was like, well, you listen, can't keep doing this, what you, surely. What you've
0: got is you've got new players and you've got new coaches. Felix Jones has come in from South Africa, you know, formerly of Ireland, uh, or from Ireland, South Africa, and he's clearly implementing some different systems. They weren't individual errors necessarily, they were system errors. Now, you will get mistakes, but hopefully international players are able to pick things up quite quickly. So I saw Italy carve them apart twice, but that was a lack of understanding, really. You've got Henry Sl- Slade blitzing in, you've got players going out, and you can't afford too many of them, not against the better side. So I think, again, the English public are just going to have to be a little bit patient. You get new coaches. It's a brave thing for Steve Borthwick to do. He's slowly moving away from, um, well, if you call Welsh rugby Warren ball, I'm not sure what you call English rugby. Uh, but both, the, ball. The, 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 no. both ball? Borth ball, but it's not, it's not Baz ball, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> but uh, but what you've got, I mean, I think in, in Alex Mitchell, you had a player who was trying to play fast away from the breakdown. They are trying to evolve and move on. Um, and I think there was enough positive signs that that's happening. Um, but look, I think Wales and England, when you look at the game the night before where France were at home to, to Ireland, it is a different game of rugby, you know, yeah. Yeah. the intensity, yeah. that was such a physical game that day before and it is a different game of rugby and just because we've had a World Cup, it doesn't mean Wales and England are suddenly going to catch up with the rest, that there's a lot of work for, for Wales and England to do but the good news is it, it's quite positive.
1: With um, England, yeah, yeah, just if they're a bit of a dog-leg defence and, and fair they play to Italy, you know, they exposed that and for me, Italy in the World Cup, I thought mentally it threw it away. They just went there on a learning curve. They knew they weren't going to get out of the group because they're France and New Zealand. And I think they weren't there, you know, that, you know when you need to be there in, in the present, and, and they weren't. And I think looking at the Italian side now uh, with the new coach and everything, Benetton are going well. I think they'll be a lot, a lot better this year. And it just showed that the attacking force, they're a lot better. So I think Italy would be a lot better. And for England, you know, it was. A nice little hit out for them. But they still look, as Lauren said, looking for that identity. I thought Tommy Freeman, you know, showed his skills. I think Freddie Stewart needs to get involved a bit more. But, uh, you know, they still had a 10-12 axis. That didn't quite work. So, you know, that'll take a bit of time. But, you know, Italy away, Wales home, um, you know, they can't wish for a a better start, really.
0: I mean, the the other thing, you know, with with England is that he's picked the you know, the best, fo- the, the form players in the team, you know, I just feel that their attacking shape is going to take time to, to evolve. They need to settle on a team. I think that, you know, similar to Wales that, they need some bulk in their team. Ethan Roots, you know, was is starting to do that. I think you've got the likes of um Pearson that will come in at some point. I'd love to see c- Alfie c- Barbary in c- that it. Cunning, cunning himself. If if you punch at the game line and you win, you know, the collisions, then you can have anyone playing fly half, really.
2: Did you ever have a wardrobe malfunction when you were playing? Umbro needs sort those shorts I, out, I, don't I they? Wardrobe Freeman.
0: malfunction before I was playing, mate, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I mean look look, the shorts and also the, the names on the shirts, you know, listen, if you're gonna put names on the shirts Read them. They've got to be big enough to I read, know. man. So, so small. It, I, know. It is, um, I know. And what,
2: what Wales had there is upside down as and, well. And isn't can I, I
0: just say, for, from an Italian perspective, as as Jiffy said, um, with um, Casada, who's come in, he's, they've only had five days training, mm. right? And they've come off the back of a disappointing World Cup. So what he's done is rebuild confidence very quickly. He gave them a, a clear structure. For me. I think there was one team, Italy knew exactly how to play. They were going to run down George Ford's channel, all right? They were going to, you know, time in and then then get the ball wide. So, you know, their set piece held up. Yes, they were poor in the second half, but I think for them, the signs are good because it's always been about, you know, promotion and relegation. Are they good enough? And I think given where they were last year, I know it's only one game, but as Jiffy says, I think they're, you know, they're going to be a a decent side in this championship.
2: Well, Tommy Allen, when I read this, I couldn't quite believe this, but he is now. Italy's top try scorer in the Six Nations with eight, which just shows you how much further they've still got to go. But I did like, I think Gonzalo Casada, who we had on the show last season, has clearly uh, made a big difference there. And I loved his pinstripe suit. I do like a pinstripe suit. Oh, listen, the suit. Italians,
0: whether they play well on the field or not, they're always, they're always the best dressed, aren't He, they, they, he, did, they? he did look the part. <laughs> they've yeah. got the best kit and they're the, and they're the best dressed. <laughs> Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.
2: Jiffy, we can't let you go without talking about Ireland. Friday night, uh, I watched it in a pub surrounded by Irishmen. I mean, I think we were all blown away by that performance. I don't think anybody saw that French hangover lasting as long as it did. Andy Farrell knows what he's doing, doesn't he?
1: I've known Faz a long time. You know, he's a 17 year old and you play prop against New Zealand in a Test match. I've been headingly. So he knows the ins and outs of both games now and he's adapted well to Union. And I still think that when they go to Australia, I think they'll go 3 0, right? I think they'll beat Australia 3 0 with the lies. That's an early prediction. But I, I think that when you watch all island provinces play and you watch the under 20s play, they know of a system where they all, all know what they're doing. And when you see someone like Jack Crowley just stepping in, you know, they didn't really miss Johnny Sexton. He was so, you know, dominant. Really, his communication was good. And I think, you know, he takes the ball to the line. He double pumps like rugby league. And there's a lot of rugby league elements to their attack inside, you know, and, and the structure. So the biggest compliment I can give Ireland at the moment, I still think they're the best team in the world. They had a blip against New Zealand, you know, one defensive lapse so and they lost. But, for me, we always say New Zealand the best side of the world because of their rugby intelligence, their decision-making. Throughout, and I think that's where Ireland now are very good. I just think that everyone knows what they're doing. They make the right decisions. They're clinical. Their execution is good. Their ball skills are good. And that's why they are where they are. And they are on a different level to anyone else now. You know, And um, it, it'll be a surprise if they don't win the Grand Slam now for me.
0: I think people forgot the fact that yeah yes, they lost to New Zealand probably because they didn't kick a couple of first half penalties if i'm honest. They got a bit gung ho in the World Cup, but before that they were eighteen games unbeaten um you know home and away, including a Test series in New Zealand, and I think they probably were a bit peed off that they were written off going into this game in Marseille. Everyone said the French will just, you know, I think they'll edge it, etc. And their forward pack, the Ireland forward pack, I thought was outstanding. You know, they took the game to, and they blew the French away right in the, the open. They almost started how the home team should have started the game and and almost made the Johnny Sexton conversation go away completely. Did you see on on Saturday that uh, DuPont played outside half in his final game before he went to
2: sevens? He was playing. He was playing 10 for Toulouse. Against Bayern, you just looked at that and go, how they must have wished that he was there on Friday. I'm playing on Friday and not playing on Saturday because he is a big loss, isn't he? I mean, it, it, clearly it, you can't you can't underestimate that, can you?
1: Best play in the world at the moment. Then you go, are you going to understand his ambition to win a gold medal? You know, the, I think they're still so disappointed. You know, I've been Sean Edwards and he still can't believe you know they didn't do better in the World Cup. But when you think of it, they, were, they played with fourteen men. They were still in the game for a while, and most likely they have beaten. Any other side in the Six Nations apart from Ireland with fourteen men, but you know it'll be interesting to see how they now adapt and their attitude mainly to go to to go to Murrayfield that's going to be tough. So, um, but yeah, it's, it was just a great game to watch, and I still think there's a lot to come from France, and maybe worryingly for
2: everyone, and more from Ireland. Should we have a look at the weekend games then? Who we're we going to go for then? Let's have a look. What's the
0: sort of predictor? Let's have a look at well, our. Well, listen, our, our, our insurance predictor. friends at QBE who normally get things pretty right. Because they they have, to, they have to set the price of people's well, insurance. They, 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 really? they
2: picked Ireland to win uh, last week, but only by a point. So I don't think anybody saw that that sort of scoreline. And
0: they picked Scotland to win, didn't they? They
2: did. Yeah, and England. So I guess it was a it was a clean sweep. So we've already said that they're going for Wales. So Scotland are hosting France. The QBE predictor is saying that will be a France win, twenty four to. Twenty-one, And then, obviously, I think uh, we all know what the result they're going to forecast on Sunday, which is Ireland at home to Italy, and that's going for 38-17. Can you see the Scots
1: beating the French? Yes, I think they're capable of beating them. I think they always talk themselves up, so they've got to deliver. That's the only thing you know. They've got so much about them all
0: the time. It just does my head in now, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, in many so, ways, Jeff. Uh, though that the, the, the fact that they were so poor in that second half, they would probably get a kick out the backside of the rocket now in their in their yes. review. And, and well, I love, Finn's, be
2: I love Finn Russell's interview afterwards. You know, basically they they were sending um, sending messages the coaches to the players, and the players weren't listening. You know, he'd stay out the rocks. They weren't. They were going into them.
1: The problem they had was they had this fear factor because they were passive. So, Wales were getting over the game line. They were passive in the rucks and the malls. They were scared about yellow cards and getting penalised. So, it just gave Wales that momentum. So, they just needed some of the balls to say, right, okay, they only needed a, you know, a turnover, get three points, the game was over. But it was it was interesting. And I think Lodge is right. That will resonate with them, saying, maybe we're not as good as we think we are. So, we need to keep a tempo. You know, um, and and the intensity for the you know for the duration of the game because if they don't come with intensity against France, you know, they could get blown away. I still I think they are capable of beating them, definitely capable of beating them. But I think there'll be a reaction from France. Am I going France, Ireland?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, and then the big one. I, come I still
1: on. think that. Yeah, I draw. still think that um, England... In England. I'm not going to bottle it. Um, I think England to win at Twickenham, I'm afraid. I think that they've just got a little bit too much four Wales. And it'll be interesting to see how England play. Yep. because they haven't got their identity yet as well and they, and it's, hopefully hopefully they'll play an open expansive game like the crowd want and they engage in the, in the free for all it'll be an amazing game a nice yeah. open world game would just suit everyone
0: well listen Jiffy <laughs> that, uh, listen regardless of that I hope hope you're right you're coming up um, I'm going to see you at Twickenham on Saturday you managed to get enough tickets for your son and all his mates to come up as well now so I,
1: I tell you I tell you I, I, yeah, I've i had tickets for my mates uh, my, my boy and his mates so he's up there as well I am trying to get tickets for Rob Bryden, right? Yeah. And I was like struggling, yeah, and yeah. then, uh, fair play, Tramsar and RFC, my junior club kids. Oh, tickets for Rob Bryden. Well, yeah,
0: and you're speaking so, at their um, dinner for the next four years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, I know, I, or Rob will have to do something because I did, I did Rob a favour. I went to speak in his, um, Mother's Women's Institute in right. Port albert years right. ago. It wasn't the blue sea of um, Portalbot, it was the blue rinse of Portalbot, right? So hey, everybody <laughs> wants to be it. It's a great place to be, right? And Wales, England is a great event. So I'm glad my boys go in there. Uh, I'm glad all the Welsh fans are in. And, I, and I just hope it'll be a great game So I'm, I'm up in London for four nights that could
2: be a bit of a tough one oh. for well I'm going as well on Saturday with a couple of mates I've not been invited for a bottle of wine yet afterwards I'm still waiting for that but it hasn't come you must t-
0: know someone
2: no, I don't know him. no I'm
0: not I'm sure I'm getting kicked under the table there <laughs> <laughs> Jiffy listen it's always great to see you uh, enjoy the rest of uh, your week listen you better get yourself in shape if you've got four days in London <laughs> he's just been in the gym haven't he you? just been know, in
2: the just gym look, I'm just I'm just going to go no, to
1: the no. gym now. I, I'm actually going to Dunvant RFC now, which is, as you can imagine, the changing rooms are right next door, so it's not a really new nice
0: spell after the weekend of the game. Oh, so.
1: DP. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, it'll be the DP thing can smell. You're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see you, mate. See you on Saturday.
1: Cheers, boys. Take care, lads. Cheers, Jiffy. All the best to
0: Joining us now is the Evening Standards rugby correspondent, Nick Puruwell. Nick, um, did you enjoy your time in Rome? I saw you very briefly after the match. And glorious day in Rome and I guess eventually a decent result for England.
3: Yeah, it was. I mean, it's a great time. It's, it's an incredible city, an incredible place, and it's so, so great that it's um, it's on the calendar, especially for England fans, because you could see there were thousands and thousands. And quite obviously, this is the weekend the England fans have targeted. Well, they take their wives and girlfriends, and it's a uh, you know it's a great thing to see because it's a very uh, enjoyable weekend for
0: all concerned. I think one issue was um, obviously England, a bit of a messy performance, but at least they got the result. I mean, I, at the end of the game, as a, as a half-Italian, half-Englishman, I didn't know whether to feel proud about Italy's performance, the closest they've ever come to beating England by three points, and the most points that they've ever scored against England in a game, uh, or whether I felt a little bit sort of underwhelmed by by England, and and probably I felt a little bit of both, half and half.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit like when England play India at cricket for me. You feel like you can't really lose. So it's just kind of... If I get your point, Lawrence, entirely. I think it's... Um, I think England are obviously in another state of flux and something I've written for, for the paper is basically saying they've got to get out of this constant cycle of change. You know, the turnover of coaches under Eddie Jones was ridiculous. It's different because Steve Borthwick is trying to bring in stability, but there are going to be further changes in the summer. You've got things like Andrew Strawbridge here for a month, you know Felix Jones taking over defence, Kevin Sinfield leaving in the summer, he will be replaced by a coach but not a like-for-like coach. And there's obviously a big chance that they could bring in an experienced hand to look at the attack and probably help Richard Rigglesworth develop, which is probably what would be the smart thing to do. But every time they make a change in personnel in the coaching box, in comes a new system. It seems crazy that England have never actually had a full-on blitz-slash-rush defence before, but they've got one now. And they're saying that's taking time to bed in. But actually, the whole point of a blitz system is it's not supposed to be very difficult. The key thing is everybody just flies up together. But they made mistakes. They made some basic mistakes. And yes, it's
0: game one, so that's fine. But they have to improve markedly. Otherwise, better teams will turn them over. I think, listen, in, in England's defence, having been there before myself, there there's five new players. There is a new coach in Felix Jones. They are trying to attack differently it's going to take time because you need to spend time on your attacking game and you know they are evolving away from whatever you want to call it the the style of rugby that uh, that they played in the world cup and i thought in attack they they didn't quite have the shape that they want and defensively felix jones the coach um you know you're you're going to have system errors you're going to have uh, a few little problems you're right they have to put those right good players you know, don't make the same mistake twice. So, I think you know we can take that. I think there were positives: Tommy Freeman's performance, Ethan Root's performance, um, the fact that they've got five new players that are now capped, and the fixture list allows them with Wales coming up to Twickenham to sort of build their intensity as they go through the tournament. I mean, it's just nice to see England win the first game of the tournament. Yes. For a while. <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm glass off, glass off oh, I mean, I said definitely. if England
0: if England win more games than they lose, then I think they'll do right. I was always a player. I hope that people got honesty from after the game. I missed all the the post-match reaction, but uh, I mean, England will be happy enough that they won, but it was a scrappy second half with the whistle blowing a lot. What was Jamie George's assessment to you, Nick? Because Jamie's um, tactically very astute. He's always very honest. And I think as long as the England players realise that that wasn't really a great performance and it can be a lot better and it will have to be a lot better, do you think we got that level of honesty that we haven't necessarily had in the past? I think we did, actually. And I
3: think that is, I think Jamie George's influence is going to rub off on Steve Borthwick. And hopefully that's already happened because both of them were fairly candid about where they were. I mean, one thing Steve said was if the full time score had been 27-17, perhaps you think that's more reasonable. But, um, you know, they did leak that late try and they can't get away from that. And I think they were both saying good to get the win, important to get the win, lots of mistakes, quite messy, quite a lot of things need to tidy up. But they're confident that's what they'll be able to do. And uh, just that basically as they move forward, they're bringing in a new culture of, of not sort of condemning each other and individuals for, for mistakes. So they're trying to remove a fear of failure, which Steve Borthwick said a number of times, he felt like that was present in England squads when he was a player and he thinks it's been that way in England for a long time and he, he wants to change that and I think that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, listen Nick um, I know we've only got you for a little while, do you see any changes this week to the England team? Maybe Ellis Genge coming back if, he, if his foot injury is better but uh, will Steve try and limit the number of changes? Well I think so
3: because I don't think there are, I'd say Genge, maybe Martin's got an outside chance but I think that's an outside chance Ollie Lawrence is, is, is not going to be ready and Marcus Smith's not going to be ready. I think it would be fair to give that midfield three another run together because I think they'll bed in but I do think that there's no balance in well no there's no balance but all three 10, 12, 13 they're all very similar players obviously England's power options are, are injured at the moment but they do have to find more of a way to get hard runners on those guys' shoulders you know as they're looking to come to the line and, and put other people across the line and you know Steve as Bortham was saying after the match they didn't make enough line breaks. And I think that that's true. So they have to add an, a, an extra power element, element to the game. And that's got to come from people like Freeman coming off the wing, but also the back row guys as well. So there's a lot of onus on the likes of Ben Earl and uh, and Ethan Roots. You even after to one cap, you know, to kind of take a lead on that. But um, let's see what happens there.
2: I see that Steve Borthwick has said that he's going to, he's slightly concerned about the reaction that Emmanuel Faye Waboso will get, obviously being... Welsh-born Lawrence, when you played Wales, they must have liked to uh, wind you up a little bit. I got bit, that reaction they? every
0: week, mate. To be fair <laughs> to you, but uh, I, I think that uh, listen, you got—is that why you've started wearing a Welsh yeah, shirt now? Just toughen up. You just toughen <laughs> up. If you make your choices in life and you you got to live with it. If you if you play for England, you get you know, and the Welsh supporters aren't going to like you, are they? Um, if you make, right. if you make a choice to play for Wales, then England supporters are going to think you've um, you've turned your back on them. Uh, I think. Uh, given the choice, I'd say he'd still want to be picked in the team, wouldn't he? So, yeah. uh, uh, listen, it'll be fine. I think with Faye Boso,
3: I think the differentiation there is Warren Gatland said something that was a bit strange about other coaches in Wales being disappointed by his decision. And I think England were just a little bit concerned about there not being a pile-on or similar from fans or social media. We, they're sort of hoping that it wouldn't open the floodgates to something like that because, obviously, he's a man who had a decision to make. He qualifies for England and, you know, it's a decision people should respect. And if there's frustration in Wales, and they shouldn't take
0: that out on the individual. Yeah, well, that, unfortunately, that's what happens these days. If, if you have your own social media channels, and you, and you know, then whether you're a referee, a TMO, a player, a coach, you seem to be open to the sort of levels of abuse that are just clearly unacceptable, as far as I'm concerned. So, but that that's a matter for social media to deal with.
3: To be fair, he was he was responding to a question. I don't think they were going to volunteer that. So that you know, they they're obviously responding to yeah. to a narrative, aren't they? But they do, you know, with what happened to Owen Farrell they're obviously very mindful of just adding that extra protection to players. And I think that's a really good thing.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Well, Nick, um, I'll obviously be seeing you at Twickenham on Saturday, along with Steve, and we'll uh, look forward to that. That's all we've got time for in this episode. So my thanks to Nick and to Steve, and of course, to our very special guest, Jonathan Davis, AKA Jiffy. Thanks as well. Go to Vox Pod Studios for hosting us. We'll be back next week with all things Six Nations. So enjoy round two. And until then, thanks for listening and see you soon. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions.